ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and every other person or extraterrestrial who is interested in knowing more about the French League on, welcome to yet another. It's not French League one, it's French League on. I think that's one of the first things you should learn about um, the not so popular top five European football league. Welcome to yet another episode of the First X Minute podcast. I'm your host. Okay, I'm not eating hot yam and I'm not rushing, but you know, I'm just wanting it to be as smooth as possible. Welcome to yet another episode of the First X Minute podcast. I'm your host, Vitor Ndamola. You find me on Twitter at Papi underscore the great, P-A-P-I underscore the great. Um, Champions League is in um, progress. Europa League also in progress. We have a Europa League finalist right now. Well, none of them are French. Um, the UEFA Champions League quarter-finalists, two of them are French, PSG and Lyon. And um, I think this is an unscripted um, sharing of the French Ligue gospel, and I'm not alone. I've got two French Ligue enthusiasts. Um, naturally, they are Liverpool and Valencia fans, respectively. But speaking of respectively, if you dare give the French League on anything less than respect, they will find you, they will hunt you down, whether in real life or in your dreams. So they are some of the biggest French League on fans that I know. They've been on this podcast several times. Okay, Clinton has only been here once where he spoke about Getafe. And um, Tosin has been here to talk about, let me see, Liverpool and the failed Newcastle takeover. But my guests, you know how we do it on the podcast. I'll go with several for us. Your name. Um, the, the French League on club that you, you are supporting. And if there's any, maybe the one that you detest. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to point out that the other person on this podcast was once a Valencia fan, but he ran away. Let me not snitch, Sha. <laughs> so, um, my name, as you know, is Seri Brune. Seri Brune, please stop calling my name like a Nigerian. <laughs> we said that these people Seri Brune, and um, well, let's just say that I like half the French teams in Liga. I have teams in Liga, so it's very hard for me to really like. Whenever I watch games, I'm always caught in two minds. You know, it's always very hard for me to support one over the other. So I just want to see the best players have the best games and just enjoy myself. But uh, I can say that the clubs that I like more than others are um, Rhymes, Stade Rhymes. Um, they they are the club of um, Just Fontaine, the guy who scored 13 goals in one World Cup, and um, mm. Yeah, and they've they've been to two Champions League finals and they lost both. So there's also that very historic club. Um, oh. I also like, yeah, they lost one to Real Madrid. I think they lost both to Real Madrid. It was in the fifties. So, yeah. Okay, when you said Champions League, I was confused because I was beginning to rack my history. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no, no. Then it wasn't Champions League. It was European Cup. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, just, just for better clarification. Yeah, they're very unlucky mm-hmm. with one of those finals. They really should have won that. But anyway, um, they have two 
say of final losses in the in the bag, but I mean they're a very historic club and everything. So there's also Strasbourg. I love Strasbourg. I think they are a fantastic team. Um, they have a bunch of players that I like. You know, Kenny Lala, Simakan, um, Anthony Kasi, of course Ludovic Jok, who I think is like mini Giro. He's an excellent player, absolutely beautiful player to watch. And you know, Alexander Jiku and a few other players. Um, I also like Dijon. I think they are a very entertaining team. Very, very interesting to watch. That team that has um, Munir Chier, the uh, Moroccan, could also play for France. He's, uh, I think he can still play for France at this point. For, um, that might not be for long. I think Morocco will cap him in a competitive game very soon. But um, Dijon are a very exciting side and I love watching them. Um, they have this striker, Julio Tavares, who is now. And but he's a bully in the air, like he's the biggest bully in the league in the air, and he's just overall troublesome and everything. They're a very fun team to show you, like they play very, very nice football, they, they press very, very well, and um, they are very troublesome. And she is obviously is like mini Neymar, so <laughs> I can go on and on about things I like. Like these days, I like Marseille because AVB is there, and they have a bunch of players I love, like Toven and um. Kamara, Payet, and and Benet, the other guys. So, I mean, I, I despise them on Rudy Garcia. What what is Tosi going to say now? So like, uh, there's also Arsenal, so I like a culture club, and a club that I used to really like in the 2000s with um, my guys, Itaka, Daniel Moreira, and Co. So Antoine Tedeschi. So you get the idea, like there are a bunch of things that I just like. So it's really hard for me to have. First minute to start talking, but no. Cerebral is cerebral. I didn't mention Angers, who I love very much. <laughs> that's the thing where, that's what I was watching when I, I saw Pepe and I was like, nah, this guy is going to be my guy. And Nicolas Pepe. And um, Bas- Baptiste Santa Maria, who might be going to VRL soon. And um, Kautoko Ekambi was there a few you know what dear listeners you know what Sir Brené is doing now he is or Sir Brené he is like um, somebody says oh I'm hungry please give me food and then he piles the pl- he piles it on on the plate so much so that the stuff is spilling over onto the ground Sir Brené yeah, please I love, I love my food <laughs> yeah, I know but you know right now what we're trying to do is no offense to anybody who's listening, but we are trying to say there's more to life. Sorry, there's more to football than the Champions League, the Europa League, the Premier League, and the bit of the La Liga that some of our listeners only focus their attention on. Speaking of focusing their attention on, I think I focused too much spotlight on you. Dear director of the stage play, please kindly move the spotlight on to my next guest on this podcast. Well, I know him personally. I've known him for 10 plus years now, and um, every of our conversation always has one football matter or the other popping up. Except where we're talking about Reminisce, uh, Reminisce's podcast, or sorry, Reminisce's album, or where we're talking about how to find money. There, guys, can you introduce yourself? Um, we know you're an ex Valencia fan already from the Merry conversation. King. <laughs> Please don't bring your vibes and inshallah here. Your name? No, 
it's, it's, it's good to always talk about meriting and see how he's ruining the club, you know, that I once loved. <laughs> it's, it's a disaster. Thank God I, I, I've seen the future. That was why I was quick to, you know. So, reverse, not see the future. No, I, I mean, you, 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 you know what? I, um, today, I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the pictures of um, Parejo's um, press conference. I mean, what club? What you know? Let's just, let's, let's just forget about it. Let's not talk too much. But I just, I just turned on my phone and I've seen everything. My, my heart is just. It can't be me. I'm gonna have a nervous breakdown if I was the one. But you know, um, uh, my name is Tosin, and for the culture, support Liverpool. Rafa Benitez, you know, took me to Anfield after that 2004 title win. It's been interesting. It's been uh, quite a long time. I had to suffer for about you know a couple of years. The banter about not winning a league title in my lifetime. I finally, <laughs> my lifetime. Even I'm though I, <laughs> even though I'd won two league titles with Valencia in my lifetime, but you know. Um, Wait, so you're claiming for the record now that it's confirmed. They're not. It's not rumors that you're a former Valencia fan. It's not rumors. It's real, like real talk, bro. It's not real talk. I don't know. We are on a French Ligon podcast and we managed to talk about Valencia. We managed to talk about every other club besides French Ligon clubs. Posting. Oh, yeah, we, are, we are coming there. We are coming there. You know, we are building the anticipation gradually. And <laughs> uh, this is where I talk about my Ligon. You see, I don't joke with my Ligon. Just like uh-huh. Seri Bruning. There are two things we don't joke with. We don't joke with Valencia and we don't joke with Ligon. Even though now I kind of joke about the former anyway, I still don't joke about the last one. There is one thing to know. There's only one team in the 20. Last season, there's always one team I don't like. Last season, that team was blue. This season, and here is the fact that the team always gets relegated. So just prepare your mind. There's every probability this team will get relegated. This season, I don't want to see Mets. I don't know why I don't want to see them. I'm just, I'm not hyped. I'm not so happy. I think they've overstayed their welcome. I think they should just what? get out of the league. Uh, we, need, we, need, we need purity. Although, although that club, you know, uh, after the Coupe de, uh, the Coupe de France final, they were supposed to be sent a tier, but they kind of did some nice business. And, um, yeah, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, and you know, I I kind of felt it last season. Yeah, and you know, they've done some nice business, and I think, well, maybe I'm just gonna leave them. Claude Puel is not a bad manager, you know, he was was at Leicester, was at Southampton a couple of years ago, and he did Lyon as well. So, because of him, I think kind of like, like the so for now, so everybody knows, if Mets get relegated, sorry, when Mets get relegated at the end of the season, nah, do not nah, know. Nah. Just know this is the reason. I hated nah. on this. Nah. <laughs> wow, the nah. all-powerful, the all-powerful Tosin Holmes. 
who is able to predict the relegation of a team even before the new season begins. Wow, amazing. You'll find these two folks on Twitter, by the way, ready to banter, argue, discuss, have a sweet or bitter conversation about everything French football. For tossing, you find him on Twitter, PowerfulFJ. That is as straightforward as Twitter usernames come. Powerful FJ for um, my friend Seri Brunet on Twitter, of course. That's the handle. If you don't know Seri Brunet, wow! You don't know you anybody. No, 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 no. You probably don't know the most hyped teenager or self-acclaimed teenager on Nigerian football Twitter. I mean, yes, you don't. Very low profile or something. So let's get to the uh, uh, something. I had an idea when you guys were um, introducing yourselves, and I said, okay, let's talk about this podcast this way. Frequently asked questions because, dear listeners, we here we are, football fans. We tend to poke our nose in almost everything that involves the round leather game, the transfers, the rumors, games being played in Australia, Belarus, Bahrain, Mozambique. I mean, I caught Tosin watching the South African Premier Soccer League. I mean, we, we try to see almost everything as much as we can. And we noticed that there's so much the French Ligon has to offer than most people are seeing. Most people only see French Ligon as... The, most people only see the French League on as PSG, PSG, PSG. And we thought to ourselves, okay, let's have some sort of, not a rally, but a sort of introduction league on 101. What you should know about the French League side. I'm sure they've overwhelmed you with the first 10 minutes of this podcast, but let's not worry, we'll have a recap. We'll take it gradually. Funny thing is, they might not even talk about PSG for all that is what. I'm sure they're probably thinking everybody knows so much about PSG. So let's talk about sides that these people or these folks don't know about. So let's start with the first question. Frequently asked questions. Why should I watch the French League on? I'll start with you, Sir Bernet. Why should anybody... The league starts August 21. I stand to be corrected. Why should anybody watch the French League on? Well, to begin with, if you are one of those fans who come to my mentions and ask me about one guy that your club is linked to, you might as well just watch him before the summer comes so that you will not be asking me every five minutes. Abi? Because I get those questions, no disrespect, obviously. I get those questions a lot every time. I mean, and it's usually from people who insult like, uh, they go, oh, Farmers League, oh, blah, 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 mediocre players. The minute one player is linked to their club now, all of a sudden, they're excited and they enter my mentions and they're asking me, hey, do you know about this guy? Is this guy good? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, obviously, I would answer and I'll tell you about the guy. But I think that you can get ahead of the game if you actually pay attention. Because the truth is, Ligon is full of talents. And your favorite clubs will always come to Ligon to try to get players. Because, I mean, the talents are irresistible. You have clubs that um, lose players. 40, 50 million, 30 million and they immediately replace those players with 6 million, 5 million players and nothing's worse because sometimes they they replace them with academy boys and you don't really notice any difference because those boys step in and they are just, you know, they, they play at a level that's very high and in a way it's because 
French football is kind of structured like um, Spanish football in that those young players in the B teams they play in you know a professional tier. Let's not say professional tier, maybe semi-professional or whatever. But it's still in the football ladder for the league. So mm-hmm. like you're playing against actual clubs, just like you can have Barcelona B now getting promoted yeah. to a higher level and all of that. Same same way also in France, they, they tend to play against like actual teams that are not B teams. So it's not like England where they play against reserves and all of that. This is different. So I think that also helps them in their level and then they get promoted to the, the, the um, first team and then they just slot in seamlessly. We can see that with someone like Maxence uh, Kakere of um, Lyon these days. So um, why should you watch the French League? Well, um, Lyon has the best collection of midfielders in world football. I see that without blinking, without any doubt in my mind. Lyon has wow. the highest collection of quality midfielders in any league, anywhere. Mm. I can't like it's so the embarrassment of riches is so much that i can actually just once i start naming midfielders and midfielders like i run out of sometimes i get very overwhelmed talking about quality midfielders in the world because that's like the league for midfielders you can talk about any other thing but midfielders you can't joke with midfielders in the world so passionate about watching midfielders like i am like i love watching midfielders when i watch a game the people i notice most are midfielders i pay attention to them a lot so, if you are someone that is passionate about something like that, who enjoys watching midfielders, then Ligon is league for you. You get to see a lot of quality midfielders doing their thing and just balling out. A few reasons why you should watch French Ligon, um, and those are coming from um, Sarah Brené. Um, I'll stick with Tosu on this question, and um, I would like to ask you, um, for someone who is coming from watching a bucket load of Premier League games, mm-hmm. Italian Serie A games, why should the person add the French League on to that long list of leagues? You can't find one person bossing everybody around. Beg to differ. Everyone would say, oh, but PSG have won six of the last seven league titles. Yes, I do understand. But also that this is the only league in the world where since the turn of the century, it has had over seven different winners. Seven. Not even your Premier League can boast of that. Seven. You, you had Monaco win the league title. In this league, in this same league, you've had Marseille, you've had Bordeaux, you've had Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, we know that there's a lot of money with Paris Saint-Germain. We've had Lille. Teams with 5,000 to 1 odds of winning the league titles, just like Leicester. What what everybody witnessed once in the Premier League since 2000. Montpellier. They've, they've won the title as well. And, you know, uh, okay. it, it's quite intriguing that people don't know. People think that it's it's quite... Um, it's not the league that you can predict as everybody thinks. Everyone thinks, oh, by, by default, you already have a mental picture of because of PSG's money. Oh, yes, PSG is going to win the league. But you have the opportunity to go, going into the season knowing fully well that things can actually go wrong if you're not well prepared. And that is why... Most people don't know that PSG need to keep their their, their performances at, at, at an octane level. Anyone notice that one, once PSG loses, wins the league, or when it looks like they're almost crossing the line, there's a drop in intensity and then it affects their performances in Europe. 
people don't notice that and and people think that it's simply because oh they're playing in a farmers league that's why then that means the bundesliga is a farmers league because bayern munich have won every title and they keep on winning the title and when they get to the latter stages of the champions league they do what they crumble barcelona have done it too so it tells you that the league is actually competitive and that is why clubs like psg can keep them their performance levels at a high level if it is not competitive olympic lyon will not play manchester city champions of england gained 197 points over 198 points over two seasons lyon will not play that team and not lose a game and they will not lose again this week mark my words they will um, not lose um, because that's it just the level of comp- competitiveness in that league and, and the fact that it also gives you the cushion to develop as a player there's not and there's actually more medium scrutiny in france than in england but because we don't speak speak french the uh, Fre- french is not the language that most people uh, in the world is 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 like um, the lingua franca the l'equipe is probably one of the biggest papers in the world in terms of in terms of coverage it tells you how grand it is and and you have the french league splattered across the front pages every 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 weekend every match day and and there's people asking questions but the truth is the fans are passionate there's an allowance for a young player they want to see that is where football's true romance is everyone wants to see the next young star breakthrough the likes of uh, kakere just like uh, seri brony said you know the likes of pepe the likes of of seguirasi it's also an avenue for you if you're having a bad career to redeem yourself just like gal kakuta has discovered so you know it's 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 a league that has a blend of everything. It is the romance. France is the home of romance, and so it is football. France is the home of romance, and so is this football. I might be tempted to use that as a, as a title <laughs> of this podcast. And Fantastic. speaking of romance, um, I don't think I'm looking at a lot of players, and I'm going to mention a few of them that don't have. In Nigeria, we say they have no joy, but um, in France. Their opposition players probably see them as the players that lack or have the least um, level of romance. And I'm talking about the players with the highest tackles per game on the average. Um, Eduardo Camavinga, um, Gil Diaz, and Ibrahim Sangari. Now, you would probably think that the same three players, which which are to- who are topping the table as regards average tackles per game, would be the same set or close to it when you talk about interceptions per game, um, but you check the interceptions per game table and you see three different players. You see Wesley Fofana or Setetien, you see Hassan Kamara, and you see Isiaga Silia. And you, you, you look further again, probably you're just looking at the league on the surface and you say, okay, where do I find a table where players um, players only dominate? And you, you have to look really, really hard there's at least one player from Monaco, except maybe for the big chances missed. Of course, Kylian Mbappe, Edison Cavani, and Neymar, all of them on that. But if you look at total shots per game, while Kylian Mbappe and Neymar top the chart, we have Nigeria's Victor Simen with 2.7 shots um, per game. And then when it comes to free kick goals, of course, Yasin Adli, uh, Moreto Kasama, and Florent Mollet. I'm, I, I know I might be murdering some of these names because I'm not used to them like Cerebrene and um, Powerful MJ are. Say that your again. Sins are, your sins are forgiven. 
Ah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm also I'm also one of the fans or the the co- new converts that will be keeping an eye on one of the teams in the league. And speaking of becoming a fan, converting from all the noise making in the Premier League, no offense, to the 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 the, the action in France where romance is the name of the game. If I want to fall in love with one of the 20 sides in the French League on Cerebrane, which team would you be advising me to fall in love with? Aside PSG, of course. <clears throat> that's interesting. And that's tough. Uh, but I'll tell you what. Um, that team is probably Saint-Étienne because of their, their history. They are a very historic club. Um, they have some, you know, big legends like uh, Michel Platini, if I remember correctly. And also, they, there was a period when they were. I mean, there's a period where there was a period when they won like, you know, league title after league title. They've not won like in a long time, but they had that period when they were the dominant team in France. And there are also some very interesting stories. You know, surrounding Saint Etienne from history, I'd recommend um, some, some, maybe one, one story for you <laughs> later on. But um, all in all, they are a very historic club. They've they've done great things. They've won things, and beyond that, there's just so much. Um, how do I say now? There's this aura around the club that is just beautiful. And when you add to that, they have some amazing young players coming through as well. You mentioned Fofana the other time, and that was that was something. Um, they've lost a, a Champions League final, unfortunately. They lost to um, Bayern in uh, 1976. They lost to Bayern, and um, that was sad for them. But overall, um, Sanzen is a great club, great history. Their colors are also very nice. They take, they, they they do very well on social media as well. And generally, I think that they, they're just there's this romance about them, there's this aura about them that is so so refreshing. So I'll definitely, you know, I'll, I'll pick them. And they also have some like legends, as I said. If you remember Jack Santini, I think he was coach of sports at one time. He also played for mm-hmm. the And you know, if you check the, the list of their legends, you'd be Amazed at you know the players that you're going to see in there, so it's it's a it's a legendary club I believe, and um, there's just so much to, to discover. I tell you, my friend, the moment you mentioned Sanatian, um, a number of people went to check, including me, went to check where they finished on the table last season, and that was not <laughs> the nicest of sights. Seventeenth, I mean, really, it's like you telling me to support a what now? Bournemouth is relegated. Give me, give me something else. Give me something that's close. Uh, I don't know. South Avigo. But, but they were just in the final, uh, in the cup final. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they gave PSG one for them. Look, yeah, you have to look at the season before that when um, Gasset was their manager. They were fifth also, and they actually Ooh. made a very, very strong run. You know, for Seal, but they yeah. fell, fell apart towards the end. That was actually a very fresh season. In fact. After that season, I predicted that this past season they were going to finish top three. I was so sure of it. I was so certain. But then Gasset oh, left, too. and you know, things just fell apart. 
pretty much. He's mm. a stunt was able to do well because he's a stunt goer and he was mm. able to do well and things just fell apart. It's funny how they finished 17th because they averaged the highest number of interceptions per game. That's 13.4 per game. And then I think I saw something about penalty goals. Yeah, they won the second highest amount of penalties this season. Five. Stefan Ruffier, statistically, using oh. advanced statistics, he he was the 190, I think 95th, 195th worst performing, or 195th best performing goalkeeper out of 197 goalkeepers in Europe's top five leagues. <laughs> so you can imagine how bad it was. And now there's a big fight between Joel and Ruffier because they're trying to bounce him. So it was really underperforming, and they also had two teenagers in central defense, Saliba and Fofana. Fofana was 18, Saliba was 19. Like it's it's the idea with one old man in um, Perrin also. So it was just a bit unbalanced, and they also had some injuries. Zedi also got injured for like most of the season, so they had those problems, and they had a bunch of players. Let's just say that the squad planning was poor. But I, I just wanted to mention something as well. Um, it's not uncommon in Ligue 1 for a team to finish high up and then the next season they are down. That's another thing that people often overlook You know, when you're talking about competitiveness. Let me give you a start. In 2017-2018, Monaco finished second with 80 points and Lille finished 17th with 38 points. Right? In 2018-2019, Monaco finished 17th with 36 points and Lille finished 2nd with 75 points. So, um, what what happened was that Monaco went from 2nd to 17th and Lille went from 17th to 2nd. Just for the updated version of um, Cerebrone's stats, Lille finished, well, the, 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 the season that was brought to a halt in 4th while Monaco finished in ninth, well, that season was not was ended abruptly because of the pandemic that everybody is going has been going on and on about. And while I press my follow button for this particular league or my favorite um, football or soccer or sports scores app, I'd like to bring um, Tosin on board. Now, Tosin, Serbanet um, spoke about midfielders. We speak about strikers, we speak about defenders, we speak about goalkeepers. Now he's has advised me and said, okay, you know what, my friend, you should be watching Saint-Étienne this coming season, which kicks off in a few days' time for you. Yes, we have the club. Three key players that are not PSG players, I keep emphasizing on that, that I should probably be keeping an eye out for in the coming season. Uh, let me start from this world champion, Flo Sauvain. Uh oh, beauty of a player, beauty of a player. Plays for Les Foxy, plays for Olympique du Marseille. Um, you talk about one of the sweetest players I've ever seen in my life. I mean, when I say sweet players, I know what I'm talking about. Is but you know, last season he didn't play because of injuries and and all that. And Thorvan was so good in 1819. That I remember it was he, despite the fact that Marseille did not have the best of seasons, he actually um played uh, you know took 
dragged the team, scored 16 goals, des despite the fact that he was playing as the winger. Sovan can play anywhere across the field, can play as, as an attacking midfielder, can play as a number 10, can play as a number 7, can play as a number 11, can even play as a false 9. That's the talent of Flo Sovan and, and he's one player that, uh, but because he didn't light up the Premier League, he was called the Premier League flop, and which is quite ridiculous. Quite, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to use the word, but I think it's... Sorry, it's worth remembering that he was played out of position. Exactly. He's the right winger. They played him as a left winger where he was not really effective normally. And he was 21 and he started only three games. Mm. That was a Newcastle, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently mm. a flop. <laughs> so he's a flop because of, of what is not his fault. And there's this thing about Premier League fans and they do it a lot. Is the fact that they are quick to cast fingers. Oh, this guy's a Premier League flop. He's a flop because he didn't do well in the Premier League, which I think is very bad. It's it's terrible. It's not football is not just played in your league, and and this is a good example. So, um, Flo Thauvin, that's one. Two, um, because everyone wants a clinical goal scorer. So I'm going to go for this one that that played last season and shared the golden boot with Kylian Mbappe, Wissam Ben Yedder, for Monaco. I mean, talk about a goal scorer, a pure finisher. Manchester United fans uh, do understand, so I'm not going to say more than that. They they know what it means to be stung by Ben Yedder, clinical finisher, and the way he just plays, it makes it seem as though it's very easy. And and you know, just to add to probably one more finisher there, he plays for the club that I think is going to get relegated. So uh, that's why I didn't mention him, even though I was supposed to mention him first. Abib Diallo uh, last season for Mets. Let me just give you context. He scored 12 goals for Mets last season and they scored, I think, about 54 goals in the league. Mm. That's like one-fifth of the number of goals that a whole team um, scored. I mean, that's the kind of numbers they probably attribute to, say, this immobile guy that plays for a certain Roman side in Italy. Yeah, immobile. Well, some people have. Well, he's so, he's so immobile. He scored 27 goals, Mets. Oh, not even 34, 27, yeah? I, I thought 34. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. I think I must have mixed up. How many did he score? 12 out of 27. 12 of 27. Wait, that's half. That's almost yeah. half, yeah. That's almost half. Well, well, we can still liken it to um the immobile guy in Italy. Well, I call him immobile. I know the right pronunciation. <laughs> before y'all jump at me, but he's so immobile that he can break or equal a certain record set by another guy who is currently um, languishing at the lack of UEFA Champions League trophies somewhere in um what's that city again? Yeah, that's right, Turin. Um, moving on. Before you take swipes, before you continue taking swipes, let me just say. I just mentioned three players. There are actually a lot of other players as well. The likes of Axel Disasi, who play, who just joined for Monaco, played for Stad uh, Rems last season. Um, Serino, Serino knows how much I like Disasi. Fantastic defender. I think he's going to walk into some Premier League teams. I, I think if he if he moved if he had moved to Liverpool, I think he would have actually walked into the starting lineup. He's, he's a bit rough around the edges, but I think he's a fantastic defender. Great defender. He's got a big future ahead of him. Um, in, in terms of Axel Di Sassi. It's also the small matter of one player that I think should be getting back to Ligue 1 next season. Segu Guirassi uh, got relegated with Amiens, uh, scored nine goals last season. I think that was also almost, that was a huge proportion of Amiens' goals too last season. 
fantastic player on the ball, good older play. And then there's the new Giroud, just like Seri Brone calls him, Ludovica Jok. He's always a joy to watch on his day, very, very good with older play and all that. We are, we are starting a campaign to have a Jok in the French squad for Euro 2021 because we know that uh, there, there's going to be a huge Giroud. We don't want a striker who will go to an Euros and not score any goal. We want someone that will go to the oh, Euros and score we want a job to, to we want a jockey right there there's a lot of players and there's also uh, the small matter of, uh, of of the man of the magician who lit up the Premier League who lit up the, the real farmers league the Premier League Dimitri Payet come on you, you cannot talk about players in the so you can imagine there's a lot of players just, just in case my lovely yeah. beautiful okay I, I should not regard you beautiful if you're a dude but if you're a lady and you're listening to this podcast dear lovely lady and handsome gentleman in case you're looking for who has been bad mousing your darling premier league it's not me it's not Sarah Brunner. i know he's the chance every time but you find that guy his name is powerful fg on homes on twitter at powerful fg i will spell it out for you so y'all can lash out at him later P O W E R L F J. I mean, he has a lot of. He's probably he's a busy guy. I know that for sure. But if you come anywhere as close as trying to prove the superiority of the Premier League over a league as technical and as awesome as the French league, gone. Yeah, I've already fallen in love already. I mean, he will take you head on. He will take you pound for pound, and y'all, my. Change flesh for flesh later, but he will definitely take you on. You were saying something. Yes, this is me not mentioning Jeffrey and Adelaide. I've not Ooh. mentioned any Lyon players because I've decided, uh, you know, to to take it calm because I know that Lyon is going to beat Manchester City. <laughs> I've not mentioned Memphis Depay, who's who is for me, you know, one of one of the greatest footballers ever. I've not mentioned the you know the youngster, the uh, Ryan Shecky. I've not mentioned Maxim Kakere, Bruno Guimaraes. I've not, I've not mentioned Carl uh, uh, Toko Ikambi, who, who, who went to Villarreal, lit, the, lit La Liga up and then came back to France as well. I've not mentioned Musa Dembele, who's going to bench your favourite Premier League striker. You know, I've, I've, I've not mentioned you know quite a lot of players and I've not mentioned the greed of, of Justin Denier, who was rejected at City. I've not mentioned quite a lot. And Anthony Lopez, whom I'm pretty sure one club in London is looking at now and saying, Okay, maybe we need to sell our 80 million euros goalkeeper and bring this guy. And, and you know, I'm not, I've not mentioned quite a lot of players, so let's let's leave it there. You know, mention he did not mention quite a lot of players. But if you probably return this, if you reverse or rewind um, this podcast episode a bit, and you keep track of the number of names he mentioned, he probably mentioned 20, but he managed not to mention a lot of other players still the first x minutes podcast it's the gospel of the french league on well we're not trying to do a french invasion or should i say an english invasion where you invade your private your english privacy with our french jargon we're trying to say hey we know you're enjoying your english cake but have you had a taste of wait, this wait, french- wait, wait, wait. wait let me ask you something you mentioned the invasion of privacy you know, if, if the person who actually owned that album had to pick between Paris and London, guess where she's going to pick? 
Oh boy, yeah, Paris. I will pick Paris. I will yeah. pick Paris. Huh? I mean, not not to worry about it. There's just that romance about Paris. It's just that sometimes the people who view the French league all from afar think beside playing in Paris is the only side that exists in the French league. Oh, well, we need to move on and we need to move on ahead. A lot of people must have listened to you so far. And if you've noticed, dear listener, if you must have noticed how powerful FJ brought in the little bit of the Frenchiness. Let's put it that way with the name pronunciation and then with all the the, the, the accents and everything. Well, don't forget he's a Nigerian. I'm not, I'm just in case you probably need him on your podcast, he's a Nigerian, but he's just that much in love with French football. Now, let me talk to Serebrone a bit. How do you keep in touch with this game? I, I know the internet is there. Don't tell me Google is my friend. I mean, there's no way you all are knowing this much about the game in France without having key sources, key news websites where you go to or where you're probably subscribed or where you probably get notifications from. So just in case I have a very busy weekend, I can't really catch the games, but I'm interested in knowing more following for weekend in, weekend out. Are there some news outlets? Are there some specific news sources where I can get tactics, tactical analysis, tactical reviews, video replays, um, um, exclusive interviews about the players that apply their trade and their managers and the managers in the French football? Yeah, um, there's Get French Football News. Um, I think there's no better outlet at this moment um, that really gives in the um, analysis of French football. I mean, every season, before the start of the season, there's a comprehensive preview um, by JFFN. It's like a magazine-style thing where they analyze every team, plus their signings and everything, and their tactics, their formations, how their managers like to play, star players, key players to watch, and all of that. So it's like a very, very comprehensive magazine. So if you're going into a new season, and you don't know, you know, anything about French football. You don't know anything about any team. If you get that Jeff Penn um, um, magazine, it's like a publication. Like, rather. If you get that and you you have it with you, it's it's so comprehensive. Everything that you need to know about every team going to the season, how they play, what formation they like to play. The tactics they like to use, whether they like to sit back, whether they like to counter attack, um, possession football, whatever, then the best players to look out for and all of that. And even a list of all their players with like basic information about them, ages, contracts, the length of their contracts, and all of that. So it's like really comprehensive. So, I mean, if you're going to a new season and you have that in hand, when you're watching a game, before the game even starts, you can just go and you know look through the publication and see you know get information about team the team that you're about to watch. So when you're watching, you're a bit more familiar. You get accustomed to names as well. Obviously, there's so far score that gives you live updates as the games are going on, and you can see you know statistics and all of that. So the way I I kind of connect with football is. I get, I immerse myself with, with the fan base and the fandom. That's something that, um, you know, sometimes people get surprised 
when I talk about teams and their issues, and they are always people sometimes come at me and say, "You're always talking about us. Um, why do you think you know more than us? Um, what, what do you know about us and all of that?" And I laugh. I'm, obviously, I'm not trying to claim that I know better than a fan. I can't, which is the exact reason why I kind of immerse myself in like fan bases. Like, I'm very, very. I, I I pay attention to conversations quietly. So obviously, I have my my outsider's view. You know, as a football fan, I I watch football from the outside. Obviously, I would have my view. I know what I'm seeing based on what I'm seeing on the pitch and all of that. But I don't have the inside info. I don't really follow you know the deep club sources that the fan would follow. So what do I do? I take my time, I go into the fan base, I find out the conversations they are having. That's why um sometimes when a manager is fired, for instance, on the outside you might be looking and saying injustice. How can they fire this guy? Well, if it doesn't make sense to me, I want to know why. And from the fans' perspective, it might look different. I remember when we fired Emery at Valencia, and no, we didn't fire him. His contract expired, and we didn't renew it. And then he went to Spartak. And then people from the outside were saying, "How can you? How can they fire this guy? These people have such crazy expectations. He came third three times in a row, and they fired him." Blah blah blah, and I mean, so unfair. I hope they rot and everything. They're so ungrateful. Do they expect to win the league over Real Madrid and Barcelona? So why are they firing him? But from my perspective as a fan, I understood what the issues were and I understood why his contract was not renewed. Valencia's decline started under Emery. And in our final season, we had 61 points and we came third with 61 points. Like, we were literally. We won like three games in our final six months, three, four, five games in our final six months uh, under Emery, but we still finished third. And that was because, you know, the other clubs were so bad, but our own form was terrible and it was very, very, um, our games were dire, we didn't point to relegation threatening teams with them having red cards and stuff like that. So it was, it was, it was very, very, very disheartening. The performances were terrible. Everybody had, in fact, everybody had lost in our games. Like we just slipped through our games at that point, and it was like nobody was interested anymore. And like even Emery was tired. It seemed like he was even tired of the club and wanted to move on. So from my own perspective as an insider, I knew that, and that exit wasn't surprising, and it wasn't anything to cry over because our decline was so obvious. It was obvious that we needed something new, something different. From the outside, you're, you're not a fan. You just go and see the table. You see third, 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 and you say, "Why they get to this guy?" You know. And it was also obvious that Emery, at that point, did not take us to the next, you know, stage, the next level. We just we had become so stagnant that we're now declining. But that was obvious from the outside, which is why I like to immerse myself in fan bases and see what the fans are saying. Get the pulse of the fans. So it gives me a more rounded perspective of things. Sometimes I ask them questions. But obviously, a fan will always know better than you. So there are things that a fan would know that you wouldn't know from the outside. So it kind of helps me to not sound ignorant or lost when I'm talking about this thing. And sometimes you also, I mean, if you want to find out about Valencia and you want to know why 
Danny Barrow, Danny Cristal, something like that. But when Martin was fired, it's hard to really get some of those um, super um, pieces of information because um, if you are not following the story from the start as a fan, and you only found out about when it happened, it'd be hard for you to catch up with some of the things that you've missed. Seven forty on a Wednesday night. I have to let the ball run because there's Champions League football. I don't know why my voice is echoing. Okay, I think somebody's device is on loudspeaker or something. Anyway, um, there's Champions League football by in the next 20 minutes, and I have to let the boys. So um, it's been it's been um, over 30 minutes of talking French football talking about what is good for your health if you want to learn more about French football and what is not so so for your health when you come to learning about French football. Thank you so much, guys. Um, I don't know if there's any other message, I mean, starting with Tosin, particularly for the Premier League fans. I mean, what do you say to a Premier League fan that says the Premier League is tougher than the French League um, I, I don't understand the concept of it's tougher. It's it's um it's the it's the best league in the world. It's every league is competitive. That's that's what I can say. Every league is, is equally as competitive as the other, and you have to to be objective. Um, for me, I, I look at um, the new league season, and I'm quite excited. The youngsters that will be featuring this this season, and and just like Seri Bruni said, you look at the fact that. Um, uh, you know, some clubs have done good business already in, in, in the summer, as far as they're concerned. You, you look at Angers, Angers for instance, uh, you know, they've had um, Enzo Ebosse coming from Le Mans, uh, you know, uh, as well as uh, Suleiman, as well as Suleiman Dumbia from Stade Renault. Um, people don't realize that yesterday, Stade Renault sealed qualification to the Champions League group stages after uh, Wolves were knocked out of the Europa League. Um, Starting an exciting side to look forward to. You mentioned it earlier during the in the podcast uh, about Eduardo Camavinga. He's not the only player in that team. You know, um, I, I remember when Ismail Assar was shining for Stardrenner and you know went to Watford. He went from a team that was playing in Europe to a team that did not have ambition in the Premier League. What the Premier League has got over the French Ligue is is money. Pound for pound, I think Ligue teams. Will will scare Premier League teams, and and you see that this season, PSG were totally unplayable when they took on Liverpool in in you know uh, uh, on Paris and Tours last season. The teams met, so it's, it's pretty much straightforward. You, know? you don't script this kind of things. This is a league that's unforgiven. Uh, there's you know that's unforgiven when it has to be. The one time that PSG were not serious, Monaco won the league title. Um, you know, when they took everything for granted in 2011-12 as well, Montpellier, you know, won the league title. So you have to be on your toes. That's just the reality of the French Ligue 1. You have to keep playing consistently. And and this season, um, you look at the fact that teams have come to the Champions League, teams like Renard, they, they make impressions. Stade Renard, Bordeaux. The last time Georges de Bordeaux were in the Champions League, they got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So it's pretty much straightforward. These teams make an impression when they come around. And I think next season, that's another team you should watch out for. Champions League Stade Renner. Carefully well-run team. Great players. You know, the likes of, of Adrian Nou, the likes of um, Kamavinga. Of course, Nzonzi 
is 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 currently at Stade Renan, and you have you have a Brazilian there, Rapinha, fantastic player as well. And you know the, these players, you get to see them. Um, they bought Martin Terrier from Lyon, which is quite shocking for me. They have another ex-Lyon player, Clement Gournier. Um, Arsenal fans remember them from the Europa League tie in in 18-19 at the quarterfinals where they gave Arsenal a run for their money. So yeah, pretty much exciting, exciting times and exciting teams to look forward to when the league returns on on, on the on the 21st of August. We'll wrap things up by saying, if you've not taken anything away from this podcast, Montpellier, not Montpellier. Renault, not Stade Renas, or whatever else you call it. And then those other special, those are the things I probably just paid attention to. I mean, Stade Renault. I, I'm uh, guilty. We used to call it Stade Renas or something. But well, uh, the boys are Angers. Angers. No. And then, please help me with the pronunciation for Angers. Oh, yeah. Angers, not Angers, right? Yeah, Angers. No, Angers. Okay. Lance. And this is where we uh, wrap it up. Lance. He's not Lance. He's Lance. Arcee Lance. Um, I've given them the audacity to... Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I was just found here. Whatever to say. Before somebody calls for my head, not yours. Thank you so much, guys, for popping up on the, this episode of the podcast. you find them on Twitter. Powerful FJ Tosin Holmes. Sarah Brené, the younger... The self-acclaimed teenager on Nigerian football. Um, Shoot that guy! A Cerebrone. Or Cerebrone. Sorry, help me with pronunciation one more time, please. Cerebrone. Cerebrone. Yeah. I'm not going to you for all that. All that happy talk. Don't mind me. Pronounce it well. Cere. Cerebro. <laughs> <laughs> One French outfit is in action tonight against another Italian outfit. Atalanta taking on PSG. I really hope they are logos so that people who have staked their claim on over 3.5 must be 2.5. Yeah, must be game on 2.5. But they carried it, and let's see how it turns out to be. Vibes are initial. I wish, uh, I wish you guys all the best in your future and endeavors. Definitely, will be in touch. If you have listened us part of this episode of the podcast. And give us a review Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, Acast, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast episode from. Until I come your way with another gospel or probably another league, stay safe, wash your hands always, avoid crowded places if you can't spy for now. Cheers.